that's what's going to make you great and make you who you are. If you if you run to being uncomfortable, getting comfortable with being uncomfortable, basically. Mm -hmm. I had to learn that, too. Yeah. So you've had quite a journey, right? Mm -hmm. It's it, Would you say it started with football or? Yeah, it started with, I started playing football at five years old. So I, I've always played every September since I was five. I ended up stopping, what, I think I was 27, 28. Um, and I found the love for the game when my dad used to be watching Monday Night Football. So I would watch it with him and that's where the love kind of started. And I actually started in a different sport, which was baseball. But football was just, it was just something different. And that's truly where it started for me um, as far as my sport career journey. So, mm -hmm. yeah. And then how did like the whole mental health platform come into play for you? So I started to deal with anxiety when I was eight years old, it was right when my mother and my father were getting a divorce. Um, so if you look at, I have a sister, you look at how old she was, she was two years older than me. So my dad and my mom going through a divorce at the time, it was different for her than it was for me. So a lot of the stuff that I've seen, the fighting, the bickering, the arguing, and then them actually splitting, uh, brought on anxiety that was kind of already there that was passed down to me, um, but it opened up something where I ended up having an anxiety attack for the first time. Mm -hmm. So if you think about being eight and then masking everything that you have seen from that point on, all the traumatic events that have happened in your life. Um, I've had friends who, who, who have got shot and killed and I've, I've had things that happened in my life on the football field that we don't really understand that are very traumatic, right? When we see somebody get hurt or whatever it may be, I masked all those issues all the way up until I got to the NFL, right? And so now you get to the NFL and you have all these different pressures on you, which you have football, you have coaches, you also have money involved, politics, all of these other things. So now that's all in one. So I end up having a run in with suicide, probably well, that was my fifth year in the league. And that was just from all compiling interests that I never was able to speak. I never talked about any of the things that I, that I dealt with. And that's how me becoming a mental health advocate, life coach, that's how it came about because I started to really find out who the real Marcus Smith was. And I wanted to help other guys just like me and they they also started to become vulnerable when I when I stepped out and I spoke about what I was dealing with. Yeah, so. that's that's a lot. So you're you're playing in the league, you have this encounter with feelings of suicide, mm -hmm. right? So so what do you do to help get yourself out of that place? So actually, when I was going through what I was going through, so at the time I was like a vegetable, I couldn't eat anything, right? Um, it was like a black cloud. You feel like this depressed state. You feel like a black cloud is over your head. And what stopped me from uh, committing suicide was my wife called me the first time I was driving in the car, actually. She calls me. And you know how when you are in a car and the phone goes through the car like Bluetooth, it's like loud. So that's what stopped me. Right. So I'm on the phone with her. And I get off the phone with her. And then after that, her mother calls me. 
And so by the time I'm at the bottom of the hill, I mean, by the time I'm done talking to her, I'm at the bottom of the hill. And so I started the, the therapy journey after that because that was the first time I actually said, hey, I need help. Mm-hmm. So me me going through that journey and, and having to find out who I, who I really was, that's what kind of pushed me to start actually helping myself mm-hmm. and, and doing the techniques that I've learned to, to help me. And that's why I became a life coach too as well. Yeah. So, Thank God you had that support system in place because oh I felt like maybe they were spiritually picking up on what you were going through and God just used them to, you know, block what you were thinking about maybe doing, right? Yeah, it was it was a reason why they were in my life at the time that they, they were. I had just got married in 2017. I had built a strong relationship with my mother-in-law who, you know, I go to her advice a lot who I pray with, pray with my wife a lot. So they were already ingrained in me, in my in my vessel, in my soul. So even when I was going through that, I still wasn't really telling them, you know, because I was telling them earlier, like, as black men, it's like, we will, I'm good ourselves until we can't anymore, like until we kill ourselves almost, mm-hmm. right? And so that's where I was. I was just trying to get rid of the pain, trying to get over it, and... Lo and behold, God gave me two chances. And because he gave me two chances, now I'm truly living out my purpose and doing what he has called me to do. Yeah. So What's interesting is like, you know, you look at football players, right? And like, we, you're like titans to us, right? Yeah. Like you're these, you know, like really <laughs> yeah. like superheroes. So to be so strong physically, right? And to be in such a fragile place emotionally, right? right it's interesting to hear like that dynamic that it exists because I'm sure you're not the only person or the only football player or the only athlete that right. has had these kind of feelings. Man, it's we it's like we play a barbaric sport and it's it's something man, I've heard so many things about like, bro, don't be a, a, a weak boy. You better not I better not see you cry. Like it's it's a lot of things that we actually need. And I know we was talking about, you know, Jesus earlier, but like you think about it, Jesus wept. Yeah. Right? So that was a time in his life where he knew it was about to go down. He knew what he had to do for the whole world. Right. So even with us as individuals, you know, why as men, we don't feel like we have to let it out and let it go. Mm-hmm. We can't we can't hold on to that. You know, so I think it's important and it's not sensitive, it's just that's me, to me, a true definition of, of being a man. We have to redefine what, what being a man is. Yeah. I love that you said that, too, because I feel like you talk about Christ and, like, that experience he was going through in the garden where he knew where he was going, right? And he yep. knew who God was, right? Mm-hmm. But he still had a moment of vulnerability, which gives mm-hmm. us, as humans, permission to be vulnerable. Right. So that's interesting that you – that's a great analogy, actually. Man, I appreciate that. Yeah. That was, that, well, that was the first thing I thought about. Um, I always think about, I always try to go back biblically, but just because I would just say to myself, like, all right, what what would Jesus do? Or what did he do? Right? Because he's the only person that really showed us how to be and how to do and how to live mm-hmm. correctly. Right? And so I always think about that. 
when we're talking about this stuff. Yeah. So you said something earlier on that I thought it was interesting that you picked up on. You said some of these feelings or strongholds had been passed down to you, right? Yep. So something generationally was happening there. What do you think helped you come to the realization of that? <laughs> well, my father, he won't say it ever. You know what I'm saying? I'm still working on him, like still trying to help him open up and talk to him. But, you know, it's a it's an easy you have to ease your way in, right? Um, but I think with our parents, they had to work twice as hard to get where they're going, right? So the stresses that they had, and it could be from slavery, right? We could still have that same trauma embedded in us mm -hmm. today, yeah. right? But think about living in their era where they had to always do things twice as much just to get ahead. So their thought process was, I don't have time to worry about my feelings. I got to make sure I'm providing, putting food on the table. Like that was just not something that they did. So then you fast forward and now you're raising your kids to be just like that, right? And inevitably we just didn't talk, like things would happen in our family and we would just go on like nothing ever happened. Yeah. You know, and I think that's the thing that can really hurt, uh, you know, children or, or hurt the way that you look at life, right? Just because you get out into the world and there's a lot of times where as a man, I couldn't really articulate my emotions or my feelings, right? And I, <laughs> through therapy, they used to do this thing. It was called the feelings wheel. Mm -hmm. And so it had all the different emotions. And I was like, man, this is still hard. Cause it's like, dang, how am I feeling right now? But if I had never been taught to show that or know that, then how could I even give that to my wife? Mm -hmm. How can I be all that I could be to, to the person um, that's my rib? That's somebody that God brought for me. So yeah, that's, <laughs> It was just, I think my, my parents, I, don't, I never blame my parents just because what they had to deal with is something that I couldn't even think of or fathom being the person that I am yeah. today. Yeah. So what is your plan or what have you already implemented to like change that for your family that you're responsible for? Man, so we have an open door policy. And it starts off with my daughter, right? My daughter, it's important for me to have a relationship with her as a man, right? And she, I want her to understand that she can tell me anything, but not only tell me anything, she has to understand that she can trust me, right? So if I'm not open and honest, then she's not getting a, a good representation of somebody being open and honest with her. So she has, I have to visibly show her that I'm vulnerable enough to speak to her about some of the things that I go through, some of the things that me and her mom go through and be open about that. So with her, it's, I feel like it starts with her because the man is really a, a, a pivotal factor in a, a little girl's life because her seeing me and her mom, we're showing her what it's supposed to look like. 
And so that's what we do in the household. We have the, the open door policy where nothing is off limits. You can tell me whatever you, you decide to tell me, and I'm not going to judge you for it. I'm not going to, all I can do is give you advice. Mm-hmm. And you know, growing up, it's like, like you say the wrong thing, you might get slapped right. inside the head, right? <laughs> Which that's just the way, that's just the way we grew. I don't look at that as bad or anything, but we can learn from that mm-hmm. and say, okay, how can we still be firm, but also allow them to to speak their piece? Right. So the number one thing that I do differently, if I could put one word, you have a voice. Mm-hmm. That's smart. And I, it's great, a great point you made about like, you know, getting slapped upside the head because I <laughs> yeah. also feel like that creates a lot of anxiety. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, my anxiety is kind of bad as an adult. because, And I think a lot of it is the, the root of that, right? And you know, your parents don't intentionally set out to harm you, right? right? A lot of that is passed down generationally about like discipline and like how to deal with your kids. I mean, spanking was a big thing when I was growing up. Like not even spanking, you get beat with the belt. Oh, it, wasn't, it was more than a spanking, right? right? Where like my kids, I can count on one hand like how many times I had to try to spank them, especially my son who's like six foot three and he was always <laughs> bigger than me. So right. was like spanking him was ridiculous. Yeah. But with that being said, like, undoing that trauma generationally and like doing better with our kids and like unlearning some of the things that just don't work in the long term. Yep. Yeah. That the I always look at it as like being a coach. Mm-hmm. Right. And I tell other coaches this and I actually I got to go speak at a coaches clinic. And it, the one of the things is what I've learned is that everybody is different. Everybody learning style is mm-hmm. different. Right. The way you discipline somebody is different so the way i discipline my daughter may be totally different the way i discipline my son right and so whooping or you know smacking upside the head that that may be something that that doesn't work so you really have to dive deep with your kids to learn who they are to Mm -hmm. know what works best for them so you can you know you're not going to be perfect but so you could possibly be the best parent you could be sure so let's talk about that uh, pivot or that transition from football into me- mental health. Like, what was that like for you? And what do you what have you learned from football that you've been able to implement into your, your coaching style when it comes to mental health? Um, it was tough. I would say it was tough because when um, I walked away that same year, it was 2018, I walked away. And then uh, the end of 2018, I was able, well, I was able to see my daughter born and then I I went back to finish the season because I wanted to finish. But afterwards, I still had a lot of work that I had to do with myself and I was blaming football a lot. I wasn't really looking at myself like, because of therapy, I was able to go back to when I was eight. Like, dang, man, I had an anxiety attack when I was eight. That's Mm. crazy. I remember that. You know, it started to come back to me. So it, it started to bring stuff back up in a box where it was just hidden. And a lot of us have things that we don't talk about that's just hidden back there that we need to let go. We need to free ourselves from. And so that's what I learned um, through me doing therapy. And, and all what, what football taught me was that football is the stepping stool for where God was gonna take me. So it was never meant for me to play 10 years. I played six. My goal was to play 10, right? Mm -hmm. But I started to realize, okay, why was I going through this struggle? 
I'm going through the struggle now. But as soon as I was vulnerable and I said something, I had teammates walk back in the locker room, over five. It was over five teammates. And they started to tell me they was dealing with the same thing like two weeks ago, right? And it was different at different points. So then that's when I knew that it was way more, it was bigger than me. So um, that's why I started um, the Circle of M, which is my foundation where we unmask the feelings that cause anxiety and depression. That's, that was the biggest point because we, we carry this helmet and we wear this helmet, but who are we when we take this helmet off? And a lot of us, unfortunately, don't know who we are. And I, and I went through that phase. So I had to find out who I, who I really was. Yeah, that's interesting because I feel like sometimes our careers are really just there to help fuel our ultimate purpose. Yeah. Right. And it's just like it's just a learning curve. Yeah. So now that you're in this world or this space like full time, mm -hmm. like what are some long term goals for your platform? Well, so <laughs> it's funny that you asked that. Like so I have right now what, what I started out doing was we started out doing outreach and we were trying to get the message out. So the first thing was to get the message out. So I started the podcast and I tried to bring on guys like Quinn Cook, Brandon Graham, you know, from the Philadelphia Eagles, like, like other NFL guys and NBA guys who weren't afraid to be vulnerable. So we can start that process of being vulnerable. And then the next step, uh, long term goal would be um, instead of actually speaking about it, now we have a solution. Mm -hmm. So now I've been partnering with other companies like NAMI. NAMI, I'm an ambassador for NAMI, which is, you know, one of the top mental health uh, organizations in the country. And then the Huntsman Foundation, I'm actually an ambassador for them. So now I'm partnering with other uh, entities to try to combat all the mental health issues that the youth is going through, athletes are going through, um, general workers are going through. Um, and then the, the third and final, the biggest one that I would say is to have a facility, mm -hmm. to have a circle of facility where it gives you the Boys and Girls Club, YMCA type of vibe where you can come and have someone where you can talk to as far as mental health, but get back to playing games, learning tools, uh, doing sports, all of these things that have helped me grow in a tremendous way. You don't really see it as much anymore, and I'm just trying to bring it back. Sure. So what advice would you give to, you know, a young man or any, any guy or any female, for that matter, who's listening to this podcast, who's had thoughts of suicide and not being here? Like, how would you coach them out of that space? Man, I would tell them, many of us nourish our fears by feeding doubt while starving our faith. So if you really think about, that's the statement that I always kind of like start off with, because a lot of the stuff that we go through is from some type of fear, right? And by the fear, you feed some sort of doubt, that, that doubt comes into your mind of what you may be thinking, right? And then now the doubt turns into starved faith because now you don't have any faith anymore because you done doubted yourself. You done tricked yourself out of the position that you were in. Mm -hmm. And so it's very important 
um, you know, for, for men, women to understand that speaking positivity over your life is very important. What you say is what you have, right? So if you speak positive over your life, that's what you're going to have. Mm -hmm. And I also understand that it's not easy and you always feel like you're alone at first. So <laughs> I want them to know, like, look, and I know this may be cliche, you're not alone. Being vulnerable is actually an asset to you, not a liability. Yeah. So that's great. That's great. So what resources are out there that are available to people who are going through a tough time or need some help? So um, if you are having any uh, issues with suicide, you can always dial 988. So that's like a suicide hotline that you can that you can go to. Um, NAMI also has a lot of uh, resources. So if you go to NAMI.org, uh, you can see a lot of their resources that they have if you're having any type of mental health struggle or, uh, you know, any drug use or whatever it may be. They have a lot of resources. But then also the Circle of M, I do what we call like a healing circle. Um, and then we also, uh, I do life coaching. So I'm just like what you call a bridge to kind of like help people get the healing that they solely desire. So we are a resource too as well. Um, to be able to help anybody get whatever healing that they that they want. That's helpful. And then we there's Suicide Prevention Month that's coming up. Well, the, this is this this month. Is it this month? Okay. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. yeah. So this is suicide. What they call it? Suicide prevention, suicide awareness month. Um, because I mean, the suicide rates are alarming right now, mm -hmm. as far as especially for the youth. Yeah. So we want to try to, you know, turn that over, that curve, make make it go downwards. It's a, it's a lot of it's a lot of stuff that's involved with with that, and and what kids see and what they see. Social media is just it's a lot. It's tearing media. us apart, man. Yeah. I swear, it really is. Yeah, and I think it's safe to say, like, I mean, can't say everyone's had these thoughts. I mean, I've certainly had those thoughts before, right? Like, I'm a human being, so. Mm -hmm. It's great to know that there are people like you who are doing work in this space to help prevent that and to help like drive those numbers down because we all have our moments in life. Yeah. Another problem, well, I want to say problem is just there's only 6% therapists that look like me mm -hmm. and you. So that's why I, that's another reason why I became a life coach because I couldn't get to the therapist fast enough because it was just I needed to get to them quicker. Right. Just have something to where I can help them. And sometimes they just talk to me, which sometimes they just need a listening ear. So yeah. that's important, too. For sure. Well, listen, I want to thank you for being here on Power Move today. I mean, you've made some major moves. I mean, going from football into the space of mental health is major. Right. And it's needed. Right. So I want to commend you on that. And I want to commend you on sharing your faith and being the light because God knows the world needs some more light. So thank you for being here with us today. Man, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah.